Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. Your Bibles, I want you to go with me this evening to the book of, uh, of 2 Samuel chapter 6. The book of 2 Samuel chapter 6. I want to read one portion of scripture to you this evening and use that as a as as a foundation to kind of build around what I am wanting what I am wanting to talk to you tonight about because I believe that God is God is is longing for his glory to be manifested in the church again amen, amen. Now somebody says, you know, well, 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 Brother Jeremy, isn't it, it, God is omnipresent? So isn't He everywhere at once? And that, yes, that is that is true. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. So when I go home tonight, I take comfort in knowing that He's there. When I walk into this building tonight. I'm thankful to know that He's there. When I go down the street to the Kroger, I'm thankful to know that He's there. But there, there is a difference between the from from the omnipresence of God in the manifestation of His glory and His presence. Because even though that He is everywhere, that He He is everywhere through His omnipresence, we know that there are just there there are select times that He manifests His presence. And His glory. And I don't know about you tonight, church, but I want Harvest Time to be a place that He can manifest His glory. Amen? I want it to be a place that He can manifest His presence. That when people walk in the door, when people come or they encounter us, they encounter they encounter the glory, they encounter the, pres- the, 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 the manifest presence of the Lord. And so while I was thinking about all of that, the Lord drew me to 2 Samuel chapter number 6. And I want to read one verse of Scripture to you tonight. Again, like I said, is to build a framework tonight as to what I feel like the Lord wants me to say. 2 Samuel chapter number 6, and I want to read verse 9 to you. 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 9. David is speaking, and this is what the Bible says. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? Listen to me carefully again on that. The Bible says that David was afraid, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? I feel like that my assignment from the Lord tonight is simply to talk to you on this thought. Bringing the glory back. Bringing the glory back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you here tonight, Lord God. God, I need your anointing. I need your help. God, I know I need you to anoint the lips of clay that we may hear what the Spirit is saying to us. God, not only anoint my lips, but God, anoint our ears to hear what you are speaking to us so that we may receive what your spirit is speaking to the church tonight. And Father, we'll never cease to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says amen. Amen. And amen. I am a firm believer that God desires that His glory and His presence be manifested in our lives. Just like when Moses came down off of Mount Sinai after being in the presence of God and he would tell God, God, show me your glory. And the Bible says that God hid him in the cleft of the rock. And, and the Bible says that he called, that God caused his hinder parts to move past Moses. And when Moses come down off the mountain meeting with God, his face shone with the glory of God in so much that the people, that the children of Israel could not look upon him and he was in, in, they had to put a veil over his face. But Paul the Apostle would come along in 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and he would say that in us, because of the Holy Spirit resides in 
us and that we have a better covenant than those of the children of Israel. The veil has been taken away and now God is wanting to move us from glory to glory and what is living on the inside of us is more glorious than what even Moses had in his day. As a matter of fact, the Bible would say that the glory that Moses had that shone upon his face would eventually fade away. But God intends for the glory that is in the church to never fade away. Why? Because we have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. And because we have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us, we have the glory of God living in us. You heard me talk Sunday morning just briefly about God being in us. And God is in us through the Spirit of God. And because of that, the, 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 the presence of God lives on the inside of us. But I want to tell you, it is God's desire, it is God's will, it is God's plan for His glory to be manifested in your life. Not only when you're here in this church building, but when you go out and you visit your family, when you're walking the streets uh, during the day, when you are on the job site, when you're when you are walking, when you're walking the aisles of the supermarket or Walmart. God's desire for your life and for the church's life is for the glory of God to be manifest. Can somebody say amen? amen. I'm reminded to give you kind of a little framework of what this looks like. I, I, I love reading about Smith Wigglesworth and the fact that he that he moved so much in the anointing and the glory of God that there were many times he wouldn't have to say a word when he would show up in somebody's house or he would show up at some place because he there were many times that he would get on the board of the train and he would sit down next to somebody and wouldn't have to say a word but the glory that radiated from his life because of the spirit of God that lived on the inside of him would begin to show forth and the person who was sitting next to him would all of a sudden fall under the convicting power of the Spirit of God. And without Smith Wigglesworth saying one word, they would give their heart and life to God. Why? Because that's what happens when the presence and the glory of God is made manifest in somebody's life. Can somebody say amen? amen. And so, he desires, God desires that his glory and his presence is manifested in our lives and in the church. But sadly far too often. What we see in a lot of our lives. Is a lack of the demonstration of the glory of God. Sure we come to church. Sure we, 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 we preach or, or we teach a Sunday school class or we lead worship. Or we, we, we pay our tithe and, and that is all well and good. And we, and we go through the calisthenics of worship or we go through the calisthenics of a, of a service. And we think that we have done God a service because our presence is here. But how many knows that it's not necessarily about our presence being here. Listen, I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful for the people that are watching by Facebook. I'm thankful for the people who are committed to being in the house of God. But can I tell you, we can all show up. But if the glory of God does not show up, it does not matter. If, if, if the presence of God, if the manifest presence of God does not show up, we're no different than a country club. We're no different than a four Club. We're no different than, than, than meeting down at Bruins and having, a, and, and having a sandwich or having breakfast or something like that. But what happens when we come together and he says wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, he said I would be in the midst of them. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. And I want to tell you when we come together, not to see who else is here. Not to, not to say, well God, I'm here to grace you with my presence. But when we come together and to say, God, I need you to grace me. I need you to bless me with the glory and the power and the anointing and, and the presence of your spirit because that is what makes the difference. Can somebody say about it? You see, when we come to 2 Samuel chapter number 6, we see the desire of a man. 
David, the Bible says that David is a man after God's own heart. As a matter of fact, when King Saul disobeys God and, and Samuel comes to him and says, because you have disobeyed God, I, God is stripping the kingdom from you because he is looking for someone who, who, who is after his own heart. And the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. And, and we see the life of David. But David had a desire. It was more than just for him to be, to be king over Israel. It was, it, it, it was more than just for him to win many battles. And, he, and the Bible says that David was a man of war. The Bible says that David's hands were bloody. Because of the many victories and the wars that he was a part of. It was more than just conquering, than, than conquering uh, Jerusalem and making that the central capital of Israel. But David understood a, a, a simple concept. And that simple concept was this. He understood that I can do all of those things. I can have the titles. You can call me king. You can call me prophet. You can call me prophetess. You can call me apostle. You can call me, you can call, you can call me whatever you want to. You can call me a bishop. But I understand something. I understand that none of that matters if I don't have the glory and the presence of God surrounding my life and everything that I am doing. Because see, the issue was here is that even though that he had all of that, there was something that David lacked. David lacked the presence of God. And the presence of God was, was encapsulated in Old Testament times by what we call the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was, was, was at that time, in Old Testament times, was the, was the visible presence and the sign of God's presence among His people or a group of people. As a matter of fact, the Bible would say that it was between the cherubim. It's where God's presence dwelt. Where was that? That is the mercy seat. That is where that the high priest once a year would go into the Holy of Holies and he would go through that curtain. I don't have time to teach you about how he got through that curtain, but he had to get through that curtain. There was only, uh, well, I, I don't have time to preach all that, but he would go behind the veil and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat as an atonement for the sins of the nation of Israel. And it was at that time that the presence of God would be made manifest over the between the cherubim over the mercy seat. But see, here was the issue. There was a priest. There was a there was a, a priest that came along and that that disobeyed God. His name was Eli. We read about him in Second Samuel, in First Samuel, chapter number six. And Eli had a couple of sons that did wickedness in the sight of God, and they began to disobey. God. And the Bible says that one day while they're out, while the armies of Israel are out fighting the Philistines, the Bible says that while they're out fighting the Philistines and the Philistines conquer them and they capture the Ark of the Covenant, they capture the thing that represented the presence of God. When word gets back to Eli as he is sitting there and he says, listen, you're, both of your sons have died in battle. But that wasn't the thing that disturbed Eli when he had heard that the, that, that the Ark of the Covenant had been captured by the enemy. The Bible says that Eli fell off of where he was sitting and he broke his neck. His daughter gave his daughter gave birth to a son and named his and named his name Ichabod, which means the glory of the Lord had departed. Because what had happened? The Bible says that because of the disobedience among the people of God, that God's glory departed. And the enemy captured the glory of God. Come on, I'm getting ready to preach here right now. Because there's a lot of us in America right now that have shed innocent blood, that have done away with the commandments of God, even in the church. And the Bible says you might as well go ahead and write Ichabod over the door because the glory of the Lord has departed. And the enemy says, I've got 
the glory. I've got the presence that you think that you ought to have in your church. But because of your disobedience and because I've tempted you and because I've conquered you, he says you don't have what you need. But I've come by here to tell you right now that I believe that God is raising up a group of people. That God is raising up a remnant of people that says I'm not... We're just going through the motions. I'm not happy with the fact that the enemy has what belongs to me, what God says that I can have. And that is the manifest presence of God. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go get the glory back. And I'm going to bring it back to my house. I'm going to bring it back to my church. I'm going to bring it back to my family. I'm going to bring it back to my community. Because I understand that it is not by night, nor is it by power, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. So David says, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. David said, listen, all this is good. I've got the titles, but I've got to have the glory. I've got to have the presence. I've got to have, I've got to have the presence of God. Oh, I, 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 I'm going to move ahead in my notes here, but can I tell you? We can have all the form. We can have all the pop and circumstance. But if we don't have the glory. If we don't have the anointing. If we don't have the presence of God. It's, it's, good, for, it's good for nothing. My goodness. I, I, I'm afraid that too many of us. I'm afraid that too many people in the American church right now. As Paul would write. Has a form of godliness. But you know what? They do not have no power. And, uh, and, we're, and we're rubbing elbows with people. Who have titles behind their name. Who build, build big ministries. But they have no anointing. And they have no power. Why? Because they've compromised the word of God. Uh, come on. We've talked about it. We ain't going to compromise the word of God. We're still going to preach that hell's hot. And, and heaven is sweet. We're still going to preach that sin is sin. We're still going to preach that there's a heaven to gain. And a hell to shun. We're still going to preach Jesus born of a virgin. He was raised up sinless. He died on a cross. But on the third day. He arose triumph over death and hell. I'm still going to preach Jesus. That he ascended as to the right hand of the father. And we're living to make intercession for us. And I'm still going to preach that one day. You preach that, and that'll bring the glory in the presence of God. Oh, I don't know where that came from, but that felt good. But David said, listen, got to have the glory. Got to get the glory back. Got to have the presence of God back. So he says, so we are going to go. In verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 6, he says, And David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him. And they went to Abinadab's house to get the ark. So I'm bringing the glory back. I've got two points that I want to talk to you in my time here. One is how not to handle the glory. And two, how to handle the glory. Verses 1 through 8 teaches us how not to handle the glory. Because in this, David gets 30,000 of his men and goes... To Abinadab's house to get the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says that they set it upon a new cart. See, that was the first mistake in handling the glory. Because the glory was meant to be carried. Hmm. And this is what the Lord spoke to me today as I was writing this out. There are many of us that want the nearness of the glory, but they don't want the weight of the glory. Mm. See, 
I'm, I'm thankful for I, I'm thankful for feelings. I, I don't want to discount feelings at all. But if I had to say, if, 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 and, and, and I'm Pentecostal, so I can talk about us. Is that okay? I believe that if we had a theme song, it would be that old song that says, I'm hooked on a feeling. Because I've been preaching for 20 years. I've been in my church. I've been in church most of my life. I've been in Pentecost all my life. And I've been around people that as long as they can be in the vicinity and just feel something, maybe feel the hair stand up on the back of their neck a little bit. Right. Huh? Maybe, it may be, maybe feel a goosebump. And I'm not, I'm not against goosebumps. I'm not against the hair standing up on the back of their neck. And if we're good with it, a lot of times we'll come in, if, as long as we feel that, then we just say, okay, we're good. I'm good. And we actually take it to the opposite extreme as well. Because when we come in, and you know, if the choir's singing off key, and if the preacher's not spitting over the, over the first five rows, and not walk in the pews. And if, 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 if we don't have 20 people slain out in the Spirit and having to stack them up on the floor on top of each other, if we're not careful, we'll walk out of the service going, wow, that is a dead service. Because, because we're more concerned with being near glory but we don't want the weightiness of the glory. Because here's what I know, and I'm going to slow down here just for a second. When the glory descends and it rests on us, what I have learned more often than not is that the glory won't make me shout. Mm. A lot of the times the glory may not make me run an aisle. Isaiah and Isaiah 6 would say, uh, he would say, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. What that actually means, he says, is, is to see the glory of God there. He says, I saw the glory of God fill the temple. He says, and above it I saw the seraphims. And they flew back and forth saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he didn't take a lap around the church. Mm. He stood there and under the weight of the glory... Said, oh, woe is me, for I am unclean, and I dwell in the midst of a people that are unclean. So here's the first thing, because see, the weightiness of the glory of God will expose you to who you really are. Because when God's glory is revealed... And it becomes evident. You remember, Pastor Tony, do you remember when the sinners were afraid to come to church? Oh, yeah. Uh, listen, I, I was, there, there was a church, there was a church in my community that when I was a young teenager and mom wanted to go to church, I'd look at her, Sister Still, and I'd tell her, we can go anywhere you want to go for a revival, but I don't want to go to that church. Why? Because that church housed the glory of God. And I knew if I walked in there in the lifestyle that I was living, it wasn't going to be too long before, before Sister Ruby Diaz, who was the pastor of that church, 
under the unction of the Spirit of God would start calling people out. And, she, and, and Pastor, she wasn't calling people out to say, you know what, God's going to give you a brand new Cadillac at the end of the month. God's going to pay and God wants to bless you and God wants to do it. No, she wasn't doing any of that. She was calling people out and saying, you know what, you're a liar. She was calling people out and saying, you know what, you're you're shacking up with somebody that you shouldn't be shacking up with. Now I tell you, when the glory begins to manifest, it'll show you who you really are. And what I have found out is a lot of us don't, don't want to don't want, don't want the weightiness. We just want the nearness. Because here's the reason. In God's glory, the glory of God does not dwell in this flesh. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 29 says, No flesh shall glory in my presence. And so what I see here is I see a group of people in in 2 Samuel chapter 6 in these first few verses that everything that they're trying to do, their intentions were good. But it was all a work of the flesh. Because the glory was meant to be carried. There is a heaviness to the glory. When the glory rests on you, you feel the weightiness and so you feel the burden, you feel the pain, you feel the anguish. You feel what God feels. Mm. And He said, No flesh shall glory in my presence. See, they put it on a new card. And here's what I feel like the Lord spoke to me today. It's not a new thing we need. It's just the fresh fire that we need. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Alright, so I'm going to do a little bit of teaching here, okay? I'm going to do a little teaching here. So, if you're taking notes, write this down. We quote the scripture that says, Behold, I will do a new thing, saith the Lord. And... Ministers stand up and quote that to say, Lord help me here, to say, well, just because you've never experienced it before, doesn't mean that it's not of God. Because God is doing a new thing. That is a misappropriation of that scripture. Because if you put it in its proper context, how many believes that we got to put the Word of God in its proper context? you got to rightly divide the Word of truth. What he's talking about, the new thing that he's talking about, is the coming of Jesus Christ. What he's talking about is he's saying, he is saying when he says, Behold, I'm going to do a new thing, saith the Lord. He says it's no longer the... The, the blood of bulls and goats that I'm going to require. But it is, it is my son that I'm going to send into this world. Because see, here's, here's the problem in the modern church. I, I, I know we're digging deep here. But here's the problem in the modern church. In the modern church, we're looking for the, we're looking for the new thing. We're looking for the new car. We're looking for the new revelation. We're look, oh my the Lord spoke this to me today as I, as, as I was preparing this. And I didn't write it in my notes, but the Lord just prompted me, just reminded me of it again. I am thankful for my pastor. Amen. God has set our pastor as the shepherd over this flock. And so, when he preaches... I listen. Amen. Now, but though if I take what he says and I filter it through what somebody that I've never even met has to say and go, well, yeah, I know this is what pastor said, but let me see what prophet so-and-so had to say about this. 
Can I tell you? Mm, you are looking for a new cart to hit your horse to. And you won't find the glory in that anywhere. Mm. Uh, it's not a new thing, but it's a fresh fire that we need. Uh, because here's the thing that I found out in this. The Bible says that when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, that Uzzah put his hand to steady the ark because it became unstable. Anything that we do in the flesh will always become unstable. Mm. Anything that we try to work up, it will become unstable. Listen, I'm not trying, Pastor, I, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm really not. What, what I have noticed since 2020, since the pandemic started, what I have noticed is that ministries that we thought would never crumble yeah. are beginning to crumble right now. Yes. Why? Because here's the thing. Mm. Anything, anything that is built out of the flesh, yes. regardless of how good the intentions may be, and I'm not saying these people are bad people. But I'm saying that anything that is done out of the flesh, when it becomes unsteady, we have to steady it. But I tell, oh my goodness, but when God's glory settles down, and it is a God thing and not necessarily a good thing, we don't have to work it up. We don't have to prime it up. We don't have to worry about it because if it is a God thing, God will always take care of His work. Yes, amen. <laughs> you see, uh, in David, Uzzah was struck dead because he tried to steady the glory of God. And the Bible says that David got mad. David got angry with the Lord. But here's what the Lord spoke to me. This is what He said. He said, true glory is not about what pleases me, but it is about what pleases God. Mm. It is not about what pleases me. It is about what pleases God. God in the Old Testament had a, had a, had a requirement of how the ark of His presence was to be carried. Anything outside of that was a direct violation of his commandments and, 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 was, and was disobedience. And he said, if you he said, if you come, if you try to come into my presence any other way than what I have prescribed, prescribed to you, he says, I'm gonna strike you dead. Pastor preached it Sunday morning when he said that Jewish tradition would tell us. That history would tell us that when the priest would walk into the Holy of Holies, he had to wear bells and he had to have a rope on just in case if for whatever reason he failed to honor to come into God's presence, God's way, and God struck him dead and they had to drag him out. I'm afraid right now in our mishandling of the glory of God, we feel like that we can just come in and we can just give God any old thing and His glory will be revealed and will be made manifest. Well, that's just good enough. And that's just, I'm just going to, oh, can I just say it here? Well, I'll just come in and I'll just worship God in my own way. No, you cannot worship God in your own way. Jesus told that woman at the well, she said, she said, the Father is seeking those that will worship me in spirit and in truth. Uh, it matters how we handle the glory. So he says, David says in our text tonight, well God, how can I bring the ark in? Because after this, after Uzzah has been struck dead, the Bible says that, David says, well, I, I don't know what to do, so let's sit, let it stay in Obed-Edom's house. Let it stay in Obed-Edom's house. And the Bible says that God blessed Obed-Edom. God blessed Obed-Edom because Obed-Edom was a Levite. And he could house the presence of God. 
Some of us ain't blessed because we ain't housed in the presence of God. Uh-huh. I, I'm not trying to be mean. Shannon, I'm really not trying to be mean. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you want to be blessed, the only way to be blessed is to house the presence of God. And David hears and he says, well, Obed-Edom's house is being blessed. But David still has a longing. David still has a longing. He goes, I- I'm not satisfied with the presence of God just being in Obed-Edom's house. He says, I'm, he says, I, and he says I, need, he says, I need the presence of God. I need the presence of God in Jerusalem so that everyone can worship. I, I, would, I, I, would, I, would, I would encourage you. Read about the tabernacle of David when the Bible said, even in the, in the New Testament, when the Spirit of God is poured out, the prophecy comes forth and says, I am now rebuilding the tabernacle of David. Can I tell you what the tabernacle of David is all about? The tabernacle of David is a place of continuous praise. It is a place of continuous worship. It is a place of the continual presence and the manifest presence of God. Can I tell you what God wants to do in your life right now is He wants the tabernacle to be rebuilt so that you can house the presence of God. He says, so how, so secondly, so how do we handle the glory of God? So here's what we find in verses 12 and 13. It must be carried as the Lord instructed. In verse 12, in verse 13 it says, And so then those bearing the ark of the Lord, they bared the ark of the Lord, they carried it. They felt the weightiness of it. It's all part of worship. And worship must be in the proper order. Hmm. Worship must be in the proper order. So let me ask you this. Who is worship for? It's always an audience of one. If if we leave a worship service more concerned with me then we do, as Romans chapter 1 says, we worship the creation more than we worship the Creator. So that they bared the ark. Can I tell you, in order to have the glory of God, we've got to get under the weightiness of God. I know you've already heard me talk about that, so I don't want to spend too much time on that, but we've got to get under the weightiness of God. We've got to sit under the weight of God Until that weighs us down. In the presence of God. To where we bear it up on our shoulders. Can I tell you? I don't like carrying things on my shoulders. I don't like carrying things on my back. I take a few steps. And I get give out. I'm out out of shape. I'm telling you. I'm 35 years old. And I am one out of shape person. But we have to. We have to. Get under the weightiness of His glory to be carriers. But here was the second thing that I thought was interesting in this. No blood, no glory. Because the Bible says that every six spaces David stops and offers a sacrifice to God. Can you imagine that? From Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem is many miles. And David says, alright guys, every six steps, one, two, three, four, five, six, stop. Let's offer a sacrifice unto God. All right, let's go again. One, two, three, four, five, six. Stop and make a sacrifice unto God. Why? Because God honors sacrifice. Atonement brings consecration. And consecration 
always brings fellowship. We don't talk, we don't like to talk about the blood. We talked about this at the minister's conference. Don't say anything about the blood. Don't say anything about self-sacrifice. Don't say anything about offering. You know, Paul would write in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good and perfect, acceptable will of God. And so David understood that in order for the glory to come, in order for God's presence to be manifest, the blood has to be applied. David understood, I'm going to say it again, David understood that in order for the glory to be manifest, there has to be atonement, there has to be consecration, and through that brings the fellowship. Because now, here comes the good part that we like. Because then when he comes in to Jerusalem, the thing that he has longed for, the thing that his heart has longed for more than anything, has finally happened. Because when we understand God's requirements for hosting the glory of God, it is then we have a right to rejoice. And David said, listen, I know I didn't do things right the first time. My God, I just heard the Holy Ghost say, you know, there are some that I'm raising up that didn't do it right the first time. He says, but I'm going to give, I, but I'm going to give them another opportunity to be able to house my glory if they'll do it the right way. And I'll bring them up. And I want to tell you, when you do it the right way and you do it God's prescribed way and you understand that the blood has been applied, that blood has to be applied. When you understand that there has to be consecration and there has to be fellowship, then you understand that the glory of God will come down. And David said, oh, tell you, I'm glad that the glory is here, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to dance before the Lord, and I'm going to rejoice before the Lord. And the Bible says that when his when, when, he, when the presence of God and the ark was brought back into Jerusalem, that the Bible says that he laid aside his priestly robes. Why? Because in the glory of God, you don't care about your titles, and you don't care about what people think about you, and they don't have to call you bishop, and they don't have to call you doctor and they don't have to call you apostle or prophet or prophetess. They don't have to do any of that. Say, he said, I don't care that if they ever called me king. He says, what I'm glad and thankful for is that what once we didn't have has now come back to us. Now the glory of God is here and so I'm just glad that his presence is here. But can I tell you, there's going to be some people that's not going to understand why we rejoice over the presence of God. That's okay because Michael looked out of the window said, oh, you in front of all the handmaidens, you expose yourself to everyone. No, oh, what, she was, what she was concerned with is that he set aside the priestly robe, he set aside the kingly robes, and wasn't worried about the title. Oh, mm -hmm. it's been with me, Pastor, and I'm getting ready to bring it to a close. It's been with me, Pastor, since, since it's been said, when that... Preacher, when that pastor said that his wife came and said, you need 
to allow the Spirit of God to move. And he said, no, I can't do that because I've built this ministry and I've got these titles and I'll run these people off and I'll do this and I'll make people feel uncomfortable. Can I tell you what we need is a manifest presence of the glory of God to where we say, I, I, I don't care about anything else. You don't have to call me bishop. The IDE, the type payers can leave. Everybody can leave if they want to. But I've got to have the presence of God. I've got to have the anointing of God. I've got to have the glory of God in my life. Let them vote me out. Let them call me crazy. Let them look for a new pastor. I don't care. God, if I have your presence, that's all I need. Oh, we don't have to be ashamed of the glory of God. We don't have to be ashamed of the presence of God. Oh. Let people despise you. Let people talk bad about you. But we've got to have the glory. Let them misunderstand you, but we've got to have the glory. Let them say, oh, I don't know about that church. I don't know about that harvest time bunch. They're a bunch of kooks. I don't care. I've got to have the glory. Oh, they speak in tongues. I don't care. I've got to have the glory. Oh, they fall out on the floor. I don't care. I've got to have the glory. Oh, they prophesy. I don't care. I've got to have the glory. Oh, they talk about healing way too much. I don't care. I've got to have the glory. Oh, they, they do this and they do that. I don't care. I've got to have the glory because I understand if I'm going to make it in these last days, it is not going to be my might. It is not going to be my power. But I've got to have the Spirit of God to rest upon me and His glory to be manifested in my life. I'm not going to be ashamed of it. Stand with me all over this Listen. Say this and then bring it to a close. Twenty years now, I know you're tired of hearing me say that, but for twenty years now, for at least fifteen of those years, I have struggled. I have struggled with my. For the first fifteen of my years, I have struggled of my ministry. I've struggled with my spiritual identity. Who did I need? Who, who was I supposed to be in, in in Christ? And I remember. I remember it was years. It was years ago. I was. It was after a service one night. We were the ministers were having a fellowship meal, and I was sitting. And it just so happened that night I was sitting. I was sitting right next to Brother Tommy Bates, and I looked at him and I said, "This is what I struggle with." And I was amazed when he told me. And I and, and I won't get into all the details, but he told me, he said, "You know, he says for years in my ministry, he says I he says as being a country boy from the hills of Kentucky." He says, and just being that twang type singing and all of those different types of things. He says, I struggled with going into churches that they would call me to come and preach because I was completely different than what they were used to. He says, and I struggled with that. I, I, I saw that one time in a, in, a, in a camp meeting that he was preaching. It was, they had called him to preach the youth night of camp meeting. And he walks in there and he's not in jeans and, 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 and just a nice button-up shirt. I mean, he comes in there with his, with his suit and tie on and he walks in there and, he, and they turn it over to him and he sits down at the piano and he's got that mass youth choir behind him and he sings, Satan led my soul astray. Praise God, I'm free. I've been set free by the grace of God. I mean, and those kids didn't know anything. I mean, those kids did it. And I remember leaving that service. I went up to him and I, after I talked with him. And I remember hearing the leadership of that camp meeting say, Yeah, yeah, well, we're not going to have him back because you know, he just, he's just out of touch and all of that. But I remember him telling me, He says, I don't care. He says, 
I need the glory. He said, nobody else wants the glory. I need the the glory of God in my life. And we understand that the glory doesn't come through necessarily a style or anything like that. But we understood. But we understood a simple thing that wrapped up in in how God wants it. He just wants obedient people that desire Him, that won't forsake Him at the expense of the glory. And for the first 15 years of my ministry, I, I battled with that. Walking in the churches and going, they ain't going to accept me. And I'd walk off of that pulpit more defeated than anything in the world. And some churches didn't have me back. But I need the glory, Pastor. I'm not saying the glory for myself. That's not what I'm saying. But I need His presence in my life. Whether it makes you uncomfortable or not, I need the presence of God. Harvest time needs the presence of God. I believe that His desire is for His presence to be manifested in this place. Can I just say this and then then we'll pray and and dismiss. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll glorify the past. I'm thankful for the past. I'm thankful that as I sit around some of our older saints that are here, I'm thankful to hear about the things of how God Manifested himself then. I'm thankful for that. But if we're not careful, we'll sit around dreaming of a bygone error. Thinking, well, if I could just live in the good old days again. But God says, I want my presence. To be manifested today. Is that your desire tonight? Lift your hands all over this place. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry.